All right, I'm going to be honest. I've never actually liked the circus. When I was little, I didn't like the animals, how they had to do tricks. The elephants and their balancing in different ways, the tigers jumping through rings of fire. It just, like, I don't know, it just was very unsettling to me. My sister-in-law used to take my older daughter to the circus all the time. And I didn't keep her from, you know, taking my daughter, but every time I was just like, oh my gosh, the circus, I hate it. Um, and also, it's it feels very dangerous. And I guess that's what some people liked about it. But I just kept thinking, are they doing this for my entertainment? Like, I don't know. And I, I kept thinking that something was going to go terribly wrong and lions would come into the the stands. And it, it just, I, I always thought that something would go terribly wrong and it would affect me. So I admit I had my guard up a bit when I watched The Greatest Showman, and that definitely colored my perception. But because of that, it also led to a bunch of new teaching ideas. So overall, what I want to address today is this big question, how accurately does popular culture portray the life and legacy of P.T. Barnum, and what are the implications for educators and learners? So breaking that down, one. Does Disney's home, The Greatest Showman, take creative liberties that downplay the exploitative practices of P.T. Barnum and the circus culture around the turn of the century? Or does the film provide a balance of the visionary influence of P.T. Barnum and the manipulative practices he used in order to gain such prominence? So this is the topic that I want to explore. Let's get to it in today's episode. Welcome to Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. I'm Danielle Hicks, and I am your host. I will be in this podcast going over tips and strategies to avoid burnout. Being an English teacher is so tough, and we really need to join together and figure out ways that we can continue to build a great English classroom and also not feel depleted by the end of the year. So let's go. All right, so this is Sunday Inspiration. So a reminder that each of these episodes, I've put together a free membership of sorts where you can go and um, get some additional information about my notes from this session and also some additional teaching ideas or more specific teaching ideas. I'm going to try to keep this as short as I can, which has been sometimes as long as the other episodes, but we'll see. I'm really trying to keep them short. Um, so you can sign up for that in the place in the show notes, or the, the description here. Okay, so here we are. We have, um, oh, I also wanted to mention that I This took off as a research topic for me because I use the film, The Greatest Showman, alongside The Great Gatsby. And my thinking is, The Great Gatsby, it always reminds me of like a magician, like the great Houdini, you know? So 
creating something out of nothing makes total sense to me. And then The Greatest Showman is very similar in that it's this illusion and manipulation and also the same thing, like creating something out of nothing. Um, but but also has that kind of like the great Houdini, you know, kind of idea. Um, I also use this film, The Greatest Showman, as a class example for a research project that I did exploring the American dream and film, which is not, a, it's not the purpose of this episode to talk about that project, but if you're interested in the content of this and want to see how it works with the project that I did, I'll put a link to that in the description for the episode too. Okay, so that out of the way. We have the film, right? So in the film, at one point, there is a montage where Hugh Jackman, as P.T. Barnum, is recruiting for his oddity show, right? So he has advertised to get people, um, and, and he's looking for, you know, the oddest possible people to make his oddity show and he so he brings people in and he also seeks out people so you see him going to different people's houses and such so it's um in some cases he says actually in almost all of them he exaggerates them and in some cases he completely makes up a backstory for them so that it will be more sensationalized so like the person that is like the largest fan he says oh like you weigh twice as much as you actually weigh so could it be said here that pt barnum is a visionary entrepreneur and a champion of diversity and inclusion if you've watched the film you might have in your head the song this is me so all of the different characters that have been recruited for this oddity show he they you know are like okay i'm finally being seen this is me i can show myself there are um like some quotes from the film so pt barnum says hyperbole isn't the worst crime men suffer more from imagining too little than too much and then when the person that he has made into like he he calls him Tom Thumb so uh which is a um little person so he says uh like they're gonna laugh at me and he says trust me they don't know it yet but they're going to love you um so he is a in one sense this pioneer in the field of entertainment he had these innovative promotional techniques. He was able to bring in lots of different um, different people by uh, going out and knocking on doors, putting up signs. You know, he had all these different ways that he was able to bring people in and also how he promoted the show. He went above and beyond. He had this um, these spectacular exhibitions and he really did have this larger-than-life personality. People, he got people in the doors. He created the American Museum in New York City. Um, 
it had those curiosities and oddities, sensational attractions, and it really set the stage for some of these new forms of popular entertainment. So as this was happening, this led to the circus itself, it led to the um, like vaudeville shows and also minstrel shows, we'll get into that, but we can't deny that he was a master of promotion and publicity, public, oh my gosh, publicity techniques, including advertising, you know, he had marketing, the media manipulation, and um, it influenced some later entertainers um, in positive and negative ways we can, you know, decide what we think about that, but his influence itself is undeniable. So when we're thinking about this, so he has taken some liberties to embellish stories. He has maybe taken advantage, and I guess I'm using some loaded language there, but of the people that he's brought in using them to the advantage for the show. And the question is though, if the performer if the performers are given the choice to participate, they didn't have to, right? They all signed up or did they? Well, anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later too. But doesn't matter that PT Barnum used these practices and became successful off of their performances. Question. Well, all right. So we can say, one, that he took advantage of people that have less power and position. The film suggests that the performers had more power than they perhaps did in real life. But on the other hand, there's a scene in the film where he has... So P.T. Barnum has these two... He has a lot of hustles going on. As he builds this circus act with the different like what he calls oddities he also is trying to get a more legitimate version of his business and he is working with Jenny Lint who is a singer and she's already very famous so that brings a lot of credibility to his endeavors and also brings in a lot of money so at one point he's having this banquet for Jenny Lind and the circus performers are trying to come in and they're like, hey, PT, like, you know, let's we want to come to the party, too. And he's like, nah, this is not your party. So we have on one hand that portrayal of Barnum as this visionary entrepreneur and a champion of diversity and inclusion. But it's like, at the same time, I do think that it is fair to say that Disney presented him as he truly was, which was maybe, not maybe, also not as um, inclusive when we see that he really was trying to, um, in ways, separate himself from the performers. So there's this tension between this uplifting message and also the ethical complexities of Barnum as a character, both in the film and in reality. 
a third, uh, fourth thing, I guess, is um, when we talk about these, like, is this something that P.T. Barnum can be held to? Or is it okay that he has become sick or that he became successful off of their performances? What is really, I don't know, it's unsettling. I've already used that word, but kind of like troubling just like gives me pause with the film itself is the fact that it's a musical did anyone else have this tension like I I don't know if I if Disney was doing this on purpose if this was part of the whole like theatrics and specific with P.T. Barnum but the idea that we have this like musical and leaves us often like I I did despite having my guard up have some good feelings about like empowerment and the the underdog but it's partly because it was a musical it you know has some catchy tunes and um it had Zac Efron which we love it has Zendaya Hugh Jackman you know a lot of people that we um love and it has those mu- musical elements, which makes us feel, like, empowered. So, it's just, like, a weird jumble, I think. Um, which leads to... Alright. So, how are we doing? Like, how are you thinking so far? Is this something that we... Is it okay that they took these creative liberties to... And downplay the exploitive practices... Or do you think it does a good job of balancing those, the visionary and also the way that he was manipulative? What do we think? All right, let's, let's, let's dig a little more. Let's think. Um, okay, so I think one of the most, and when I look at the history and also at the film itself, one of the things that I find most confusing about how Disney changed the film is in the character of James Gordon Bennett. So if you've seen the film, James Gordon Bennett was a journalist who followed Barnum and wrote about him quite a bit. And in the film, he, you know, he says, you're a fraud you are, um, you know, taking advantage of these people. And in the film, at the end of the movie, James Gordon Bennett says these words, I never liked your show, but I always thought that the people did. And P.T. Barnum says they did, they do. Bennett says, putting people of all shapes, sizes, colors, putting them on stage together and presenting them as equals. Another critic might have even called it a celebration of humanity. And then Barnum says, I would have liked that. And it's a little, it's a kind of feel good thing at the end of the movie, right? Like, you know, the biggest critic of Barnum in the end was like, you know what? You did some good there. But Here's why I say this. Is this whole movie a con? Because James Gordon Bennett never said anything like this. 
In fact, up until the end, he was like, Barnum is a fraud. He is manipulative. He is a con man. He is terrible. (laughs) So the fact that they put in Gordon Bennett's words, the, you know what, you did a good thing there, Barnum, is, um, I don't know. It's, it's not great. And, um, it makes us think that in the end, people accepted Barnum, but really a lot continued to consider him a con. We also have these, like, is this a con? There's so many things in this film that do not match with reality. One big one is the characters of Zac Efron and Zendaya. So we have a love story happening here. It is a mixed race, mixed class scenario. It is completely fiction. And it's fictional that this would have even been as accepted as it was at this time. But the end story is love will conquer all. So also, is this a con? Okay, so we don't get some of what made P.T. Barnum so uh, hard to really love. <laughs> um, and, and I'm using that as, you know, the, the lightest way to talk about it. Here are two examples. Um, the first is Joyce Heff. Okay. So the story is he actually found Joyce Heff. She was, um, It was really akin to slavery here because what happened is he rented her indefinitely. He invented the persona of Joyce Heth to be a, like, mammy of George Washington, and she was 160 years old. And and there was all this, all these things that, like, the reason that she didn't look like she was 160 years old is because of the good climate, and it was, like, Africa, so that made her, you know, more youthful, but she was really 160 years old. It's, and also, so if that's not enough, there's also this thing, so while I mentioned it up at the top, while P.T. Barnum was creating the circus, or not creating the circus, like, uh, circus culture in the United States, he was also producing minstrel shows. So this led to all kinds of cultural influence in America's society with perceptions of race and identity and entertainment and perpetuated harmful stereotypes and caricatures of African-Americans reinforcing racist attitudes, contributing to the normalization of blackface. Not great, obviously. Um, That's to put it lightly. We also have, like, the circus itself. You have the promotion of exoticism, spectacle, otherness. So all that put together, we have this just... it's, It's all wrapped up in this pretty 
musical, right? So I found a lot of articles as I was looking into the film and its relationship to history and current culture. And a lot of people said that the film itself was like a dupe. It's like a con in itself. It, um, when we look at the critical analysis of the way P.T. Barnum is represented, that helps us to think about, you know, how the musical format influences the perceptions of the audience. We can also think about how P.T. Barnum actually has influenced some of the negative ways that we um, market and promote the way that we think about, like, you know, otherness and race and entertainment and how that's all wrapped up. And I think it's also interesting to look at the, like, kind of what came out of circus culture and was born from, like, his Joyce Heth as, um, you know, that that uh, forever renting. There were a lot of people that he himself kidnapped. And that continued, that practice continued in the Jim Crow South. The, it's chronicled in books like True Vine. And... It also moves into the eugenics conversation that we see in The Great Gatsby. Um, So if that's something that you're teaching, it can bring some context to that. And so these are the thoughts that I had about The Greatest Showman and how we can talk about the issues of the time we can look at a at at the film itself critically and also I think understanding the context helps us to really learn about the books that we're reading and helps us to understand culture today okay as I said this is longer than I expected but thanks for sticking around I hope that this gave you some ideas for how you can bring some of this into your own teaching and again You can take a look at the additional resources that I have in the membership. If you sign up for that, you can find that in the link in the notes. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a great week. I will see you on Wednesday.